What's up you creepy fucks and welcome to the let's talk horror channel with me bp and on this episode we are talking about a movie that you may or may not have seen hopefully for the benefit of this podcast you've you've seen it um but if you haven't stop the podcast and then go and watch the movie then come back to this and then you'll be like yeah he's well good uh, let's uh, let, let now I can listen to the podcast and it'll make sense. Or you just want to listen to me and my guest on the show talk shit about a film that you may or may not have seen. Um, obviously, we're talking about The Void. And my guest on this episode, because obviously I love having guests because it makes my life a lot easier because everybody on my show makes my show better for me. So I, I've got Jordana from Pretty Killer Podcast, a brilliant podcast that you should all, I mean, you're all listening to it anyway. And if you're not, you should be simple as that. Um, but we're going to get into a little bit more at the end about the podcast and she can absolutely sell it for as long as she wants. Uh, but yeah, Jordana from the Pretty Killer Podcast is here. Hello. Hello, BP. How are you? Uh, living the dream you know we we've been talk, talking a little bit beforehand and yes. uh you know i can't wait to get into talking about this movie this is a movie that we both absolutely love everybody knows that on the show uh, especially the podcast unless it's you know the reviews on youtube where i talk shit about films all the time but but my podcast is mostly for those films that we uh, all want to talk about and shine a light on and truly really uh, enjoy and and love watching and and the void i know for us too is definitely some, one of them absolutely and i feel like it made us have more of a connection that we both loved it as much as we do. And yeah. I really hope this prompts people to like immediately go and watch it because this movie is like a fever dream in the most amazingly gory, suspenseful, like just brutal film. And I, I think a lot of people need to watch this movie. Yeah, it is a film that on repeat viewings, and obviously we are going to get into everything about it, but on repeat viewings, you take so much more from the layers of this movie and what it is and what it could mean and so on. There's so much more that you can look into this movie after just watching it once or twice or three or four. I mean, God knows how many times I've watched this movie. Yeah, totally. But, but so it's going to be awesome getting into it and, and talking about what we think about it. But let's get into the movie itself. Let's get into the basic info of the film. So the film was released in 2016. It's directed by Stephen Kostansky and Jeremy Gillespie. Stephen Kostansky, you may or may not have heard of before because he directed one of my other favourite recent horrors, Psycho Gorman. Yes, yes. Psycho Gorman is a rad film. And what I love about it is, if you've seen it, you know how different it is to The Void. And it's like polar opposites, but like yeah. you feel like you can you can feel the presence of him in each movie, which shows his range and speaks yes. to volumes of him to do one like that one to The Void. Because The Void is just, I had no idea what it was going into it. And I'm glad that I had zero knowledge because it blew my mind. Yeah, I literally went into it because I saw some good reviews of it in a magazine that referenced, you know, it's like old school 80s horror and so on. And obviously that's something that we're getting to as well, for sure. 
And then I was like, well, obviously I've got to go and watch it. And then when I did, it blew my mind from the first time I watched it. And then it just gets better and better every time you do. But yeah, it's I always say to people that if there's a cool double bill to do, do a Psycho Gorman and avoid double bill because they're so different. It's such an interesting, you know, way of looking at these films from essentially the same director. Yeah, it would that would be an amazing like drive-in double feature to yeah. start, start off with like Gorman and then go into like the void when it's like super dark yeah. and and have that be your ending. Like that would be Chef's Kiss. That would be amazing. Yeah. So the film stars. Uh, and as we all know, I'm shit with names, so they're probably all going to be wrong. You've got Aaron Paul as Daniel Carter, but I would like to mention that he is the main lead. So he, within this movie, they don't mention it there, but he's the cop in the movie. So um, I will be referring to him as Cop Man Dan, just so everybody knows who he is. You have Kenneth, Kenneth Welsh as Dr. Richard Powell, Daniel Fathers as the father slash Vincent, Kathleen Monroe as Alison Frazier, Ellen Wong as Kim, Mick Byskov, don't know who that is, as the son <laughs> slash Simon, Grace Monroe as Maggie, Evan Stern as James, James Millington as Ben, Art Hindle as Mitchell, and that's all I'm going to do. There's fucking loads of people in it. There's loads of people, even yeah. in a film that feels so confined and claustrophobic, there's still quite a few people in it. Yes, there's a lot of main, Not, I don't want to say main characters, but there's a lot of focal points in this movie where it goes from like the lens of one to another, to another, to another, and you don't really yeah. know who's going to be the lead, you know, and then you find out who yeah. it is. So the film sits at 5.9 on IMDb, which is lower than it should be, but yeah. at, at and 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, which for me, I, I still think that's low because I think how highly I regard this film, especially in within, uh, you know, modern films or modern horror, I think it should be higher. But once again, uh, you know, another thing I would say about this film is, is, is that because that this is a film that, the horror genre fans probably would have seen rather than the general public or the general public of what horror films that people enjoy watching. Is this one of those films that people like us and people do podcasts about and, yeah. and fans of the genre? Uh, is this the type of film that they would see rather than the general public, which is why I potentially think that it may be the reason it's lower other than that, or we're the only two and everybody else thinks it's shit. Yeah, exactly. Which is fine. <laughs> Fine by me because that's usually how it is. Is I love a movie and everyone else thinks it's complete garbage. <laughs> so, so for the Google synopsis, which I absolutely love because most of the time they're an absolute shit show. But I was actually surprised that this one is actually short and sweet and actually not too bad. So, cloaked cult-like figures trap a police officer, patients, and staff inside a hospital that is a gateway to evil. That is perfect, and it kind yeah. of like sums it all up, and it doesn't give too much away. Exactly. I would say this is probably out of everything Google synopsis wise I've ever had on the show, probably the best one, because it's almost works as like a tagline as well, like you'd see on the back of a Blu-ray. So whoever put that one in, they did a good job. <laughs> yep. So after the Google synopsis, you know what comes next. This is my walkthrough, essentially scene by scene of everything that happens within the movie. But as usual, in my own way, as what I see it when I'm watching the film. And Jordana, at any point, as I said, please just jump in, tell me to shut up, tell me to do whatever. We, we can get into the scenes individually. We yep. can have some fun going through and talking about this movie. Sounds good. Excited. So so straight away, we are into it. A presumably dead person on the floor, a triangle on a door, and people legging it into the night. 
well until they set somebody on fire that is <laughs> and then, and there's someone dressed all in white with a blacked out triangle over their face and they either bad news or it's michael myers dressed in a sheet all over again exactly what i thought i thought when i first <laughs> saw that shot i was like it felt very john carpenter like to me just yeah. like with the mask and how it was just that eerie shot of him I immediately like I felt that and I don't know if it's just because I have like my personal connection to the Halloween franchise oh yeah absolutely you know what I mean but I felt like it felt like his style right off the bat yeah. so that hooked me and I loved how you didn't know what the fuck was going on but you knew no. it was panic immediately so you're just like okay I'm getting in the thick of it so yeah straight away you're into the film and then obviously one of the people being pursued by the fire starters they get away yeah, what a, what a start to a movie. It just sets it up straight away because it's already adding these sort of, you know, layers of subliminal things with the triangle on the door. And you're like, well, what's the the meaning be, behind that? You know, why is that there? Uh, you know, you've got these guys that are doing something, you know, nasty to these people that you don't expect. So, yeah, you're right. Like straight off the bat, you're already invested into the movie. Yes, and I, I kind of enjoyed that because I feel like the 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 most common way in a movie is you get like this mediocre opening and then you get like the stuff starts to happen and it's like a slow burn sometimes even slower than normal but this one was just like it punches you right in the crotch and you're just like so we get our first look at the main dude of the movie who looks like a cross it'd be interesting to see if you think the same thing who looks like a cross between jeffrey coombs and mac from always sunny in philadelphia Oh my God. Now that you say that completely, totally. But he's like so almost different to what the standard sort of tough guy cop or something you would get in this scenario or this situation or win this sort of movie. He yeah. feels so different and he's there's so many weird quirkiness things to him. Um, and he reminds me so much of Jeffrey Coombs, but maybe like a slightly more handsome version. So that's why he's a bit more like Mac from Always Sunny. Also, too, and I could be wrong, so do not, like, come for me if I'm wrong, but he kind of reminds me of the dude from Breaking Bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. He does, yeah. Uh, I always forget his name. Like, if you threw a mix of him in, I feel like it's the perfect trio to describe this guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if he listens to this, which he probably will, but if he does listen to it, he, he should be quite happy with most of that. I would be happy. I'd be thrilled. But like he felt so off in it, but it felt like fitting in like yeah. you said, you're, you, it's not like your typical cop. Like this guy just seems kind of like it's, it's like oddball. But yeah. as it progresses, it works. Yes, exactly. Yep. But obviously he is the cop of the movie um, and he's picked up one of those people from the start who got away and they are heading to the local hospital. We are now doing the usual movie thing and meeting the players we will be on this journey throughout this movie with, which includes a pregnant lady and her dad by her side. But I actually wrote dad, but I actually think it's a, probably a grandfather, I think he's. Yes, it was grandpa he, bringing, yes. Some random patient who has the girl who plays Knives Chow in Scott Pilgrim looking, <laughs> looking after him. <laughs> and it seems that our main man, Mr. Copman, has history with another nurse at the hospital named Nurse Alice. I mean, she stole his coffee mug, so I'd be pretty pissed off too. That whole like interaction, I was just like, wow, that's like a fun run in on your, both your jobs and like they're yeah. married and like, oh, I'm keeping this. And once again, it 
this is why I love this film because once again, it's another layer, but they didn't have to do this. When you make movies like this, you don't have to add these layers, but it's no. just these intricate things that make you so invested within this movie because you've had, you know, you've got two opposites already straight away. You've got an insane explosion of a star. And yeah. then you've got this straight away into this sort of character piece where it could have just been, these are these people, that's it. But you've got more there. And that's what makes it even more interesting. Absolutely. And then add in like when you go, when you're in the hospital, you can tell that this hospital is like rural, not yeah. a lot of people are there. So you're like wondering what's the deal with that? What's the deal with like pregnant chick and grandpa? And then you have that interaction and you just know that something happened, something's happening and you're invested. Like it didn't take me a lot to be super invested in this movie. Yeah. And then already we sort of get the tough reason behind these layers and understanding uh, and a big sort of driving force of their characters in the movie as to why they're no longer together. Uh, you basically learn a little bit later on, although it's not massively clear, basically they, they lost their child, but this comes up more so within the movie um, and quite unexpectedly. Absolutely. Because I had a feeling it was along those lines and you want more, you want some clarification of like, as 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 horrible as a topic as it is because you yeah. know what I mean? like that's that's difficult you want to know what happened what like caused the breakup because you would think something like that would bring people together so what yeah. made them not be together and you get sort of almost a harsh reason as to why later on exactly so after this chat, main man Officer Carter or Officer Dan, whatever you want to call him, is wandering the halls and out of nowhere, he sees someone pulling some scissors out of someone's eye. And just like that, we are back into the unpredictability of this movie in a big way. He's trying to calm her down, but he has to shoot her. I mean, what the shit is going on? It's like literally it goes like to 11, then calms down a little bit, goes straight up to 11. It it floored me because like it's literally like a walking scene and you hear this like the best way I can describe it and not to be completely crude on your show, but it sounded like like mac and cheese in a pot like you just hear this <laughs> it's like fucking weird noise so I'm like either someone's having sex in the hospital or yeah. someone's getting like something that I probably don't want and then you see the scissors in the eye and I was just like, oh my God, and it's brutal like it yeah. just, like she was just like fucking around in the eye. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was enjoying it too much. Yeah. 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 And then weirdly, we get a few weird shots of the skies and shit like that and something otherworldly, which is obviously setting up something bigger to come for the movie. Once yeah. again, the shitload more layers to it. Did you did you like the visuals? Because I thought the visuals throughout the movie were so like intriguing. Like I, I it was yeah. so subtle, but that you like were drawn into it. And I love that they threw that in there. Yeah, I love once again, this is I say this all the time and everybody knows by now, but it's so difficult to not talk about it because we will get more into it later. But yeah. once again, you can see what I love about this film is that there's the inspirational side. Well, the inspirations that you can see within it, which I'll definitely get into. But then mm -hmm. the originality that comes into it as well is what is so cool about it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I love those little things as well and how it ends up being like it's a split up or like a transition into something. So it'd be like. At this point, obviously, something happens, then it transitions from that to this. And then in this middle bit, you get all this space shit. Yeah. That you, at the moment, you don't really understand. But then you're like you say, you're intrigued by it. Yes. 
So the phone lines are down and the radio is fucked. So Cockman Dan heads out to his car to try and call in all this shit that's going down. But not even his fancy cop walkie-talkie is working. But then in the distance, the dude from earlier dressed all in white has come back. And then there's a massive horn sound out of nowhere, which is just like a weird sound. I'd like to do I'd like to do the sound for you, but I can't do it. It basically it sounds like this. Something like that. <laughs> It's like it's like a moose like relieving itself. He's like, Burr. yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's yes. like a, it's like a moose relieving himself. <laughs> so the lights go out everywhere, and the dude in white legs it towards Cockman Dan and lunges at him with a sweet looking dagger. Once again, another thing to look at. They look fucking cool. The little daggers they have in this. Yes, and you know what it reminded me of so much was. Just like the way that the the dude in the white attacked him was the scene from the Exorcist three. Yeah, yeah, when it comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the same thing. Yes, it had that feel to it, and I loved it because I I didn't I didn't think it was like a nod to it, but I was just like, it had the same effect, and I fucking loved when it happened. And the thing is, as well, is that when they make movies like this, you know that they would have seen that, so it's like you know you're in. It feels like you're almost in their head at that point, going, "I know what you're trying to do." Exactly. Yes. They tussle and the knife goes into Cockman Dan, but he manages to fight this bugger off and properly legs it. But now there is more of the people in white surrounding the hospital. Then for a millisecond, we get a shot of a crazy nurse lady, the one that was shot earlier by Cockman Dan, who has now had some weird fucking leg things coming out of her mouth, which always reminds me of a movie that you probably know uh, that I'm going to say, which is The Thing. Yes. Total, that's exactly what I thought of right away. And that, the creature, the, it it was beautiful. I loved the creature in this movie. And then it cuts away super quick back to Cockman Dan, who's bleeding everywhere and confused as fuck. And then we get some more of the weird space shit imagery happens before he wakes up a little bit sore. And now way more of these people in white have gathered out the front of the hospital. And I love all these shots, like you're saying, it's very Carpenter-esque because when they're out the front and then more come and then it cuts away, but then there'll be more coming. Um, you know, there's something very old school Carpenter about it. It's that menacing stalking. Like, that's what I loved about the original Halloween was yeah. Michael Myers stalking because you see it. It's so simplistic, but you're like, if I was standing in that position, I would be crapping my pants and I'd be out of there. And yeah. like you said, when you see all of them, you're just like, you know shit's about to go down. The way this movie was shot, too, I just have to say, it's it, it was beautiful to me. I love yeah. those type of images. Then, like you say, cutting to, like, the space and the different ones, it was done so well. And what's, what's so interesting about this point in the movie as well is that we've got all this threat from outside, but it's mm-hmm. the threat from inside, which is essentially what carries this movie yeah. going forward because because of everything that's about to start going fucking mental now. Right. And you know what? If, if In hindsight, I would much rather have battled those people and tried to leave by foot than deal with what's coming. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. And, um, and also like exactly like what you were saying there, like if you're like these people within this movie, you, you don't know what shit's going to happen. And, and they're real, you know, they're real people within this movie, you know, and they're not essentially playing these heightened sort of characters at the moment. So it's such an interesting aspect or once again, an interesting layer where they're like, we're locked in here with them out there, but they, at the moment, they don't really necessarily know what they're locked in there with. Yeah. They're like sitting ducks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And it's kicking off again as this thing that was coming out of Nurse Lady Face's face is now a fucking giant monster film. Like I said, this film goes 1 to 11 in no time at all, and I love it. So now, understandably, they are proper stressing out because what the shit was an ugly thing. And then the guys from the start of the movie who set someone on fire have come to the hospital with guns ready, trying to kill the one that got away at the start, who is taking a pregnant girl now hostage. You know what? I have to just this is my little like ridiculous Jordana thing that I have to say. But the guy, when he came in and he lights the cigarette with the pregnant girl and then Allison's like, do you mind? And he's like, no. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many little bits in this movie that just once again, it's just, it's just once again, it becomes about uh, awareness as filmmakers yeah, and, and fully believing and understanding what you're creating. One of the things that is so apparent when you're watching this movie is that they fully had control of what they knew they were trying to do. And that's and- what I absolutely love. Yes, absolutely. So it is absolute pandemonium. And one of the other docs who may or may not play a bigger part in this movie gets stabbed in the throat. Mm. It's a proper standoff until one of them gets dragged away by this creature. They go after it to see it fingering the abductees eye holes. So, so, so they have to shoot it and hack it down with an axe, which takes a while to do. And it's insane. So it's doing some stuff to someone's face that looks a bit all, you know, a little bit fingering. And uh, yes, it's brutal. Like you would think yeah. you invoke some sort of like pleasure thinking it and you're not. You're just like, I would not want that beast fingering my eyeballs the way it was. That was <laughs> yeah, no. it went and deep. once again, it's got, you know, uh, you know, that sort of old school 80s practical effects feel to it that sometimes yeah, because of budgetary constraints, constraints, it might look not look the greatest thing, but does that then add to the charm of it? Yeah, it does. And it. once again, when you love these films and you know all the work that goes into them, you yeah. enjoy that aspect of it more because you know that what you're seeing is real and someone and a team of people put their heart and soul into making it. Yeah. And uh, it looks fucking great. It's And it's the first sort of time we get to see something like that within the movie. Yep. And like I was saying earlier, this is where they start to learn that there's more than the threat outside. It's actually inside is what they should be concerned about. And my ass would have been out the door. And like, it's funny you say that too about the the practical effects, because in hind- again, in hindsight, watching this movie when I did, when it first came out, after watching like Terrifier and Terrifier 2, like the, the practical effects, I don't want to say they're similar, but just the 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 love that they put into yeah. like me and what he put into Terrifier to what they did, it blew me away. Because this yeah. creature, this thing that they made, I love it. Imagine yeah, it, CGI, or CGI. Imagine it like how would that change our perspective if it wasn't practical effects? Yeah, absolutely. It's just, you know, it's one of these arts that within cinema should never go away because there's a real there's a point to them. You know what I mean? Like we like to watch something that makes us feel something. And, you know, CGI doesn't really do that. When Mm -hmm. you are sitting there watching something that you're in awe of, I mean, look, I've said this a million times and I will say it until I'm dead, but a biggest, one of the biggest draws in horror for me was practical effects because it wasn't just how they looked. I wanted to know why they did it. I wanted to know how they did it. And it made you as a fan of horror, as a fan of cinema, want to know more. 
I don't want really need to know how some guys eating Doritos sits at the computer smashing the shit out of it and then makes Avatar. You know, yeah. what I, mean? exactly. I, I, don't, I don't need to know that, but I do want to know how they made something that they did on the void. And, um, you know, fair play to them that they, they went down that route and did what they did. Yeah. You think back like when we were kids and like the monsters and the creatures we would think of, like hearing a noise, what we're envisioning is outside our door that someone actually took that thought and brought it to life like it just it's it's i don't know i i, I love it i think it's yeah great. i love it and it makes you feel like a kid again that's what i love about it is yeah. when you're watching it and you're like oh i just remember and then you start reminiscing about you know the old films like the fly and like i said the, yes. the thing and so on it's just um i i love watching films like this especially when they're as good as this one exactly so after the massacre of the monster, everyone is trying to figure out what the shit is going on. And it's intense. There's fighting, there's arguing and panic is really setting in. I mean, you can see why, because, you know, things have got all kinds of fucked up. Hot Man Dan tells the tough guys he's got a shotgun in his cruiser. So the three lads head out to get it. The coast seems clear for now with none of the cult in white around. They must have seen that Jared Leto had put out a new TikTok video. Basically, I'll put that in there because they remind me of something from like 30 seconds to Mars that that fucking dickhead would have. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But before you know it, they are back from out the shadows with their awesome daggers. So the boys head back into the hospital in a hurry. Also, Nurse Alice is presumably at this point been taken by the doctor who got stabbed in the neck earlier. But why? Okay, so real quick, I have to say this. That jump scare when Alice is getting the medicine and yeah. she moves and all of a sudden Dr. Powell's like, Boop, and he pops up and you hear it. I was like, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, and it was so subtle, but I loved that, how the simplistic nature of that. And once again, it's like, it's another thing that one you didn't see coming. It's unpredictable. And you're yeah. like, this is another layer to it. Yes. And and then back to and then the, the scene with the daggers, that's one of my favorite visually for me scenes in like the 2010 horrors because I love how the lights were and then all of a sudden they all in unison put their yeah. daggers out. I I literally wanted to go like woohoo because it was just done so well. It's so cool. And it got me so excited. I love that scene. Yeah. And like it's it's mad, isn't it, that the iconography of horror and stuff like that can be literally it's like we were saying earlier that the iconography of horror can be so simple that sometimes it can just be a bed sheet over somebody's head with a triangle on it. Absolutely. Or a bed sheet over somebody's head with some glasses over it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, <Bob. laughs> yeah. it's just, it's insane that when, when you get people who know what they're doing and understand, like I said, the iconography of horror and the impact of, uh, you know, aesthetics and cinematography, what yep. people can do with it. Mm-hmm. And like you say, like, there's so much love about this film. And then you have like a shot like that and you're like, it's insane it's so there's so much to this film as you can tell everybody we love this movie uh so and we're gonna get even more into it so they go on the search for her and break into the doc's room where his phone is working because none of the other phones are working in the hospital and he's on the other line talking to cop man down where we find out uh, where we now find out that he knows all about all this shit that has been happening and there's the photos to prove it and he's a big time creepazoid Yes, huge creepazoid. Massive. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. It basically, once again, is another thing that comes out of the blue, that this guy that you thought was essentially like a nothing character earlier on, he's now essentially one of the film's main baddie. Yeah, like he, like, I love that it's, you You wouldn't suspect it because I will sit there and I'll like try to see who's bad, who's gonna, you know, who's gonna die. And when that happened, I was like, shit, like that would have fooled me in a situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was trying to put myself in a horror movie how I would react. And usually it would last two minutes because I'd be like, fuck the shit and be out. <laughs> you know, but like this one, I would have never known. So they want answers from the dude who got away from the start, who knows more than every anyone else at this point who spills the beans on their murdering weird sex cult, who quite obviously know more than just what this realm we live in. I mean, maybe it is connected to Jared Leto. We don't know. It could, it could be a whole movie just about that. A <laughs> <laughs> whole Jared Leto cult conspiracy. Yeah, and then it puts our rating to a two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so the boys head off on their rescue mission for Nurse Alice, and this hospital looks like utter shit. This place would not pass any sanitary checks at all. Shut down in a second. It's a shithole. So we are back with the captured nurse, Alice, who is awoken and unable to move, strapped to a hospital bed while the creepy doctor who stole her is taking his skin off and talking about how all this came to be. Basically, it is something to do with his daughter that died. Yes. And I knew I had a feeling there was going to be a connection when they were talking because it was about be easy on her. And then it was like, oh, I remember when I lost Sarah. I think it was Sarah someone's name yes and I, and I was like there's some this this means something something's going on so back with knives chow from scott pilgrim and the pregnant girl from earlier he's definitely going to pop that thing out sooner than later so what better thing to do than to jack her up with morphine to knock her out worse why wouldn't you this is what you do if in doubt morphine morphine ex- exactly just like do a makeshift c-section like that's exactly what you do Back with the boys, and they are at a rad-looking red door with a black triangle symbol on it. But should they go in? Yeah, obviously, yeah, they should. They should go in. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) We're back quickly with Creepy Doc, who's still taking his skin off and still talking about weird shit about all this stuff that's going on. And his face is all flappy flaps. Yes. And it's gross, but it looks cool. Yes, that the the way that it's done, like even with the first girl that we saw with her missing face and like she was peeling her skin off, like cutting her skin off, they do such a great job at like showing a character and like the state that they're in, and you're just like, oh, like imagine <laughs> the presence of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, and they doing they do so well at like the reveals in this movie. Like he's there, but he's not. And then they're going to show it and you think they're going to see it, but then you don't. And yes. then once again, like you're saying, like, then when you do see it, then you're like, oh, that's fucked up. Yes. And, you, and that's exactly what you want. Secretly, you want to see that. You want like a fucked up and then you see it and you're like, oh, OK. Like, that's. that's <laughs> So it's all really kicking off big time now as we cut between everything that's going on. The pregnant girl is now bleeding and presumably having her baby pronto. And the boys have walked into a room with dead bodies hanging up and it doesn't look pleasant uh, pleasant at all. And there's some amazing practical effects work here uh, where some person with a smashed in face is ramming its head against a pole protruding from a wall. It looks fucking amazing. Gross, but amazing and once again it sort of comes out the blue they go into this room 
it's just so many things in this film, but they go into this room and it feels completely different to sort of the rest of the movie. And yep. it feels like they've just walked into hell. Pretty much. And and that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then, yeah, there's this person there just going back and forth, ramming its head on this pole coming out and it's caved its face in. And it's where every time its head comes back off, you can see like the blood strip coming off it and all the goo. Love and it. uh my I oh yeah, my partner's every time she sees that bit, she's just like, Oh, that's fucked up. Like it, it's because it just and it feels so real the way that they do it. Once yes. again, it's just props to how incredible the practical effects in the movie are. But it just sets that tone of like how like how would you react seeing that? And that part, I love that part. That part was again chef's kiss for me, done so well. I loved it. It just gets darker and darker, this movie. And yeah. goes to more and more places that you don't think it's going to. Well, you're plummeting into the depths of like every person's literal nightmare. And you see that, you know what I mean? Like it's clearly that's what they're trying to convey in yeah. a sense. And, and you see it played out and it's the way it's metaphorically and physically for us to see. Amazing. It's I love it. And now more of these deformed hell creatures are attacking the boys and getting shot up. Copman Dan gets attacked by the junkie guy who fled at the start of the film, but that backfired on him because the one of the monsters grabs him and smashes his head multiple times into the ground. So needless to say, he's definitely dead. And he deserved it, son of a bitch. Dead, dead, dead. Yes, he did. Yes. That's the one <laughs> you're just like, okay, you, you deserve that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole film you're waiting. It's one of those things you're like, when? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, now, good. <laughs> the only time that you're like happy in the movie, you're like, yes. Back with the pregnant girl, it is not going well. And as her grandpops is begging nurse, nurse Knives Chow to help the pregnant girl, she cuts her own grandfather's throat because she is also fucking mental. And she is also in on all of this. Basically, it's a full-on M. Night Shyamalan twist. And that, when that happens, you're just like, again, what the fuck is going yeah. like, <laughs> You think you kind of know, and then you're just like, but where the fuck are you coming from? Like, what is this? Yeah, exactly. That poor guy. Like, you know, that's your granddad. That's your grandpops. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, and he's trying to save money by not driving into the city to take you to your visits and your greedy ass now slit his throat. Like, come on now. And then once again, we get extra layers that we don't expect. Exactly. You hear the big horn again. (laughs) And the dudes in white are now inside the hospital, the sneaky fucks. Mm-hmm. which once again makes it even more terrifying because you're like, well, what the fuck's going to happen now? Because you add that element of like the outdoor threat now is coming in with the trenches of hell. So you're just like, okay, no one's getting out alive. Back with the boys and they are they are all running around and whatever this all is, is now playing mind games with the two tough guys from the start and making them remember the dark times of the past and what they have been through. Essentially, before the film has happened, these two have been through the shit. Uh, you get a sense or, and I'm guessing it's one of the guy's wives or something like that, that was killed or something happened. Yeah. Um, and, and whatever all of this is making this vision sort of come through in front of them and thinking about it again. And that's, it's quite like an emotional scene within the film uh, not one that takes you out of it, but it's once again that heightens the tension, heightens the dread and the impact of what all of this is. Yes, it, it was a very, emo- for me, it was a kind of emotional because you felt like in the picture that was, you see, you see uh, the father, the son, the mom and like a baby, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then really it's just these two. So your mind automatically goes to something obviously happened and it's that play on 
emotion. And I know you being a parent, when it comes to situations like that in movies and you watch it, it kind of hits a little bit harder. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to put yourself in that situation, but you can't help to do that when you're watching horror movies like this. And it just made me sad that like whatever mindfuckery was happening at that time, it pinned them against each other in a yeah. vulnerable situation. And that's once what's what's so clever about it is because they come into this film and you just think this guy's a dick. Yeah. And he's, exactly. the, you know, he's just an absolute arsehole. But then you come to learn through through this scene of what he's gone through and yeah. as essentially as to why he is the way that he is, is because of the what happened. So once again, it's just such clever writing, um, you know, and obviously fantastic performances as well to sell that on that, you know, they they you know, they gave us this character that you're not supposed to like, but you understand why he's like it. And it's, it's once again, it's another film, another scene in the film. They could have just chucked away it, but it, it, it becomes more pivotal because of the way that they do it. Exactly. And it's like great. It's honestly great character development because think of this movie. There's not a lot of people that we know, but you build like, like the, the, the son, he doesn't talk. He's yeah you know, pretty much mute because of what happened to his throat. But I think he gives a really stellar performance for pretty much not saying anything. Like you see the emotion and I have to applaud that because you find yourself kind of like sympathizing with these characters when you don't even know, even at this point, what the fuck's going on. So Cotman Dan has finally found his ex lady nurse, Alice, who is somehow now up the duff. But then it all gets all proper fucked up as the creepy doctor is nowhere to be seen, but can still be heard telling Dan basically that when his unborn child died, he saw relief in Dan's eyes, which was it completely throws you for a loop. It's so unexpected that scene because you like, I felt like I was just like, that's never really been explored in movies because it's something that you don't really want to explore. And that was felt so new to me that, uh, that you know you're full you know he's essentially the hero of the movie but once again it's this human element to him that wasn't necessarily a nice thing but still once again, saying that's the human element of it that everybody feels different about certain situations and then that's when you come to learn that that's potentially the reason that they're no longer together is not just the fact that they lost their child and like you you were saying there's ways that you can work through that potentially and so on through life and with each other and support. But maybe she saw that as well with him and he saw it as potentially a good thing. And that's, that's not nice. And that makes you feel so uncomfortable in that scene. That scene, that scene like was a, a chest punch for me, like, and not to sound dramatic, but you're just kind of like, wow, like that is an extremely deep, Point, you know what I mean and like you said you don't you don't usually see that in movies whether it be horror or any type of movie where it's a sense of relief for yeah. a situation like that so it kind of like explains what happened prior but you still like feel the connection with them it's just a very a, a very well done point in horror that was that wasn't done tacky you know what I mean it wasn't like yeah yeah like it wasn't it doesn't feel like like what we know in horror like it was part of the progression of the story and their character it wasn't thrown in there for shock value it wasn't thrown in there to be like oh he just never wanted this kid and he's a horrible person that's not it it's just trying to play with this human element this human emotion of who we all are and how different people can feel in different aspects of of life and what happens in it and i think once again 
and I've said it a million times. I should do a count of how many times I've said it in the episode, but it adds those layers to not only the film, but the characters themselves. 100%. And I don't mean to like go off on a tangent because I know that we, you know, we're sticking to this one, but I just watched The Loved Ones the other night. Have you seen that one? Possibly, but it's, I always forget. It's an Australian one and it's pretty much just like the synopsis of the girl wants to go to prom with this guy and he says no. And they added this element to it because the movie would have been fine like as is but they threw in this element of like this incestual relationship with the father and the daughter and right. i just felt like it was something that did not need to yeah. be in the movie because it was already going a certain way and i felt like throwing that in there just made it even more cringy because it wasn't necessity but when you see something like this happen it's it's i know <laughs> i know stuff like that happens but like this made it feel like not as tacky and, and yeah and, it just felt like, like it was more like of a natural inclusion within the movie and the yes. idea of what it is and who these characters are rather like in that movie that you're talking about it sounds like it was something that's just added in there to shock to make people go oh that's fucked up that's cringy whereas yes. in this it's not it's just trying to essentially show you who these characters were what they had to deal with where yes. they've been in their life and then unfortunately things get even fucking worse yeah, because exactly. Nurse Alice is now turning to dust, laying there in front of Copman Dan, rotting everywhere. There's tentacle things all over her. It's so clever because it keeps on cutting back between what we would see normally in real life of her just lying there and Dan next to her. And then next thing it will cut to some amazing it, the same shot, but it will be tentacles and prosthetics and everything like that. Very almost like Stranger Thing-esque, you know, where it's got these sort of effects going around. And it's essentially where Dan has his foot in these two worlds where, you know, where you've got the, you know, life as we know it. And then this 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 void essentially is what you want to call it or whatever, where, yeah, he, he's, his ex-partner is essentially, you know, dead in front of him with all these sort of tentacles coming out. And so she's definitely dead. Completely. Uh, yep. Which is sad. You get, I, basically, this is like you were saying earlier, this is one of my favourite shots in the movie because it's sort of this wide sort of shot that you have where all these tentacle sort of things are coming out of her and yep. then it's sort of, it's all everywhere and it's got this completely different aesthetic to it than what it looks like as an, in a normal state. It's yep. just a, a really beautiful shot but it's the impact of that shot that it gives you because you realize that what, you know, like the state of everything that's happening and what's to come. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it's a, it's quite a tough thing because you learn a lot within that. It's a lot revealed in a short scene, but very effective. And I love the, like you said, the, rest of the, the tentacles and the yeah. way it seems like, a slimy like nasty mess because when you see it yeah. like the, the lights illuminating from like an operating room type deal with with that it's shot so well and it made me feel uncomfortable because it's yeah. like you said, the back and forth and then realizing like this is actually what it what it is it's it's unsettling and then unfortunately you might get a beautiful shot but then we get something that's not so beautiful because then you cut to outside of the room where you can see dan Yep. basically going at her with an axe yes um and basically what this film does now from this point is like it has done for the whole film but it's heightening in this tension this dread and you're sitting there essentially like what what the fuck like what what more what worse can happen how where's this gonna fucking go exactly and then it goes it goes there yeah 
And you don't think it's going to stop because then it just progressively <laughs> gets to like this like amazing climax, but it's, it's kind of like heart shattering. And then you get to where we're going. Yeah. So the film now goes full Clive Barker-esque with beautiful blue tints with a creepy doc who is now completely skinless at this point. He's got nothing left with a powerful and intimidating echoing voice, very much like Pinhead or pervy Uncle Frank, basically anything sort of Hellraiser-esque. Yes. Um, who has who now reached his final form. But now, out of nowhere, Cotman Dan is st- uh, stabbed in the back by the pregnant girl. So she's popped up again. Obviously, we know she's in, in it, and she stabs Dan right in the back. And she's so mousy. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so bad for her in the beginning, and then everything transpires, and you're like, just slap her like yeah you're like you like she's got to get a comeuppance and then you know yeah. oh yeah so he can only watch on as more batshit crazy things happen as a triangle on the wall starts to open with such sights to show us pregnant hellraiser reference but pregnant, right. pregnant pregnant girl's belly explodes and a massive monster comes out of her but the boys are back in town and to, to the rescue and try to shoot the shit out of this beast. The older guy gets tangled up, but sacrifices himself for the greater good and sets fire to himself and takes down the monster with himself. Or so we think. So we think, yeah. Absolutely. And to go back as well, the, the scene when you first start seeing this, you know, sort of Hellraiser-esque and everything like that. And something that feels, you know, John Carpenter still and David Cronenberg. Yes. Once again, the aesthetics of the look of this film can constantly change. And then now we're in this, you know, white room with, you know, these hospital beds in there and this yes. triangle on the wall. And it's beautiful. You know, it, it's very, it has, and you have to fast forward because obviously it didn't happen yet, but it had a very Vecna feeling mixed yes. with if Vecna and Frank had a love baby. Like that yeah. would be, you know, the hybrid of it. And it's just- Oh, Frankna. Fra- oh, Frankna. Oh, I love yeah. that. <laughs> but you're, you're right. It's so simplistic with the, the hospital beds, with the sheets over them, the glowing, you know, triangle. And then you have that creature and just, it's just- I don't know. The la- the the third act is so dark and exciting. Like I just I, yeah. I thought it was gonna kind of like tear off because it just kept getting more intense and more intense. So I'm like, okay, the ending's probably just gonna be something super, you know, one and done, but it just keeps going. It just keeps going, yeah. And it just doesn't, it's relentless, it doesn't stop. It doesn't let up at all. <laughs> Um, So back with Cotman Dan, and he manages to get some strength enough to take an axe to the skinless creep man's shoulder. While some more weird space imagery is happening, and Dan manages to run and tackle him through this bright white triangle that then closes. The younger guy from the start is being chased down by the beast from earlier, who we thought was dead because the guy set himself on fire to kill it, which basically for no reason at all. (laughs) <laughs> so he sacrificed himself, but he's still alive and chasing yep. after the young one. Yep. Um, and then all we get now is some really cool shots of the walls closing in on them as he's trying to escape. But he gets out just in the nick of the time and the monster gets squished. Yes. And I love that as well. It's just cool because, you know, I mean, this is once again, we'll talk about it, but this is a low budget movie. And there's so many scenes in this where 
it so does not look like it is. And this is another one of these scenes where the wall's closing in and the camera angles are perfect. And yes. you're like, is he going to get out in time? And part of you like, well, yeah, of course he will. But then at the same time, with this film, you don't know. Exactly. Um, and I kind of like those movies where you don't know because you expect yeah. things. But this one, you're just like, it could go either way. Yeah. But, but obviously he does. Luckily he does. And it's now daytime where this kid is dealing with what went down. But luckily trainee nurse Knives has also survived the night by being the best at hide and seek. Mm-hmm. And then the film ends. Psych. It fucking doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't end at all because we are now in another realm or planet or wherever the fuck we are with yes. Cotman Dan and Nurse Alice now alive with less tentacles where they look to the sky to see a massive triangle. And as they hold hands, the film actually does end where it feels like it was setting up a sequel, sort of, but one we unfortunately never got. Bearing in mind, this was now seven years ago. I I sadly don't think that we will get one, but we can only hope. Honestly, I thought that something would transpire but again i feel like we don't there's there's not a lot of buzz around this movie i don't think a lot of people knew about this movie or know about this movie um but then i have to say something controversial i kind of don't want a sequel because i feel like yeah it could potentially be amazing but this is an example of a because we don't have it very much now we don't have um a, a horror movie that does not carry a franchise a sequel a prequel uh fucking sister you know what i mean like this is yeah, a- yeah. done and it was actually done so well that i'm okay with it even though i want more but i just want more original ideas like this one yeah it is one of those things isn't it it's difficult because like you're exactly right like the way that this ends but then also it's like the intrigue of how it leaves it and you're like yes i'm happy that we've only got this and grateful that we've only got this but at the same time i'm sort of gutted because you're like i want to see where this goes next yeah and that's but then once again that's clever directing that's clever writing Uh, that's once again like i said earlier that's that's directors that's film crew that's everyone who wrote it and made this film fully understood the agenda they fully understood what they were making and by leaving it open sort of like that they could go well if it does well we can go somewhere but if we can't then we can just leave people wanting more but at the same time they can be happy that it is what it is exactly and you know what if they had the same crew if they had the same director yeah like everything that goes in with like a production of this movie i think a a sequel would be hugely successful and i think that it would bring awareness to like obviously the first one i would be happy with that but you know again we're, we're we're so classic and famous now for movies having a different director and then they change and change you know cough cough scream but I mean, like how everything just changes so much and it's like a hot potato, like let's keep it. Cons- I don't know. That's that's a whole nother tangent that I won't go yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to have a standalone film that feels so original like this. But yeah, so yeah, I get it. It's, it's a good, it's a good ending. Whichever way you look at it is a good ending because yeah. as a viewer, it's, you know, you it leaves you wanting more just in case. Exactly. But also, as a fan of it, you're just happy that it, you've got this. And there's no right or wrong. You know what I mean? Like, it's completely yeah. natural to want more from such a good film. Like, The Collector and The Collection. I wish that we yes. would get a third one. But, like, yeah. I do want more from this. But I am happy that we have this standalone 
And I wish it would produce more original ideas because that's what we need is more yeah. original horror movies with, you know, these ideas and practical effects. That's it. And I think a lot of people as well, like what I love about this film is that so many people will get so fed up with horror because it's just rehashing. It's redoing the same thing all the time. Or yeah. it always feels like it has to pay homage, but it has to obviously play homage because they have to mention this or mention that whereas in the void it feels like i've said like it is paying a homage but it's paying it perfectly because it's doing its own thing it's creating its own thing but still reminiscing it's still giving you that nostalgia of you know like we've said a million times like john carpenter clive barker david cronenberg you get that but yet it still feels so unique Yes. And because you can, you can see it and it's just like, yeah. it's so subtle. It's not like, you know, like movies we see nowadays, like the Scream franchise where they have to like do all these like ridiculous in your face things. It's like, I get it. You're a Scream movie. You don't need to have Dewey's music playing over when you're talking about and it. And now you've got Billy Loomis as a fucking ghost. Oh my, listen, BP as soon. Okay. So in 2002, <laughs> I started losing my faith in the horror. I, I, I've said this before and I'll say it to you. I've started to lose faith in it. I watched Scream. And as soon as I saw Billy in the backseat of the car, I looked in the theater. I was like, what the fuck? People were screaming. Yeah, yeah. People were like, well, and I'm just yeah. sitting in the back row. Like, what is this? Yeah. It's mental. It's mental. But so- maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll get into Scream at a future date and we, we'll talk about it because, uh, there's so much to say about it, but yeah, but with this film, what well, we're gonna get, we're gonna get way more into how we feel about it in in the end. Uh, but let's go into so there's some production info that I can go through uh, for this film to give you all a little bit more of an insight as to what went on when they were making it and and all that sort of jazz. So since the year 2000, the Canadian film groups referring to themselves as Astron Six began creating comedic horror films. Their films included Manborg, Father's Day, and The Editor. I don't know if you've seen any of those, um, but I have seen Father's Day. I do recommend that one because that one, I believe that's the one that stars the dad from, if you've seen it, Psycho Gorman. Yes. Um, and the dad in Psycho Gorman is hilarious, but he plays the main role in Father's Day. And that feels more along the lines of Psycho Gorman and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I mentioned, in the void differed from the previous films being being serious in tone, as we know, this film was very serious. Yes. <laughs> Which led the group to not present it under the Astron Six name. Jeremy Gillespie was initially working at Pinewood Studios on a floor below where Guillermo del Toro was working on the unfinished film at the Mountains of Madness, and that guy's obviously an absolute legend. Yes. Like how amazing would that be i would just be peeking my head down being like hello yeah we're like yeah no what's he doing what can i do um recalling hearing him state that he wanted to do a hp lovecraft film in a way that hadn't been done before lovecraft as we know huge influence within horror i mean the previous episode we did was reanimator yep once again so i mean he's had such a huge impact on on the horror genre um, it's so easy to see why so many people want to keep on, you know, robbing his work or something. <laughs> of course, like uh, an absolute legend. And you can, yes, totally. After hearing this, Gillespie, Gillespie, that's not even a word. Gillespie <laughs> felt that this sort of got the wheels in my mind working, trying to think of what that might be. So that was sort of where the imagery was birthed. 
All of this stuff relating to pyramids and triangles is left ambiguous for the audience to interpret as they would intentionally. So I quite like that as well. Basically, he's saying, figure it out, but it's up to you how you feel about it. Yes. And I've I've looked up on on the movie and there's like like a the apocalypse because it was like some men in the white cloak and the horn was like some all this stuff. And I'm just like, wow, like I would have never went there. But like after reading and like interpreting in different ways and seeing how it makes sense. Yeah. Gillespie and Kostansky managed to crowdfund the money that they needed to be build the practical creatures effect uh, that appear on screen. And I'll go into that a little bit as well in, the, in a minute. Other assistance came from the team working on David Ayers. Is that David Ayers? Ayers? I don't even know. It's shit anyway. <laughs> Suicide Squad, yeah, which oh. was shooting in Toronto. Gillespie served as an assistant art director and Kostansky as a special makeup effects artist on that movie, which led to the members of the special effects team on Suicide Squad to work on The Void. So basically... And once again, we're back to fucking Jared Leto again. Like, how is this like the, the what is it? Seven degrees. Yes, seven, seven degrees Jared of Jared Leto. Yeah. We watched Urban Every- Legend the other night and my husband was like, oh, he's in it because he's never seen it before. I'm like, yes, Jared Leto's in this in this movie. Yes. And what's insane, did you know that he actually openly denies that he was ever in that film? Are you Look serious? it up. Everybody oh. out there, if you love the film Urban Legend, as far as I'm aware... Yep. He comes out and, and has said in the past that he was never in that movie. What a douche. And because, like, yeah. honestly, I think <laughs> one of the better, like, one of the best movies that came came out of the night. I love Urban Legends. So for him to deny oh, yeah, it's it, fun film. 30 Seconds to Uranus, more like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't like that guy now. So, so Gillespie later declared The Void as a difficult production. I mean, you can probably sort of see why. But noting that every single thing was the biggest challenge. It was a soul-crushing nightmare. Everybody was pushed to the limit on this movie. The one ray of hope we got was the cast, which came together at the last second. They were easy to deal with. So good thing is the cast. They got an absolutely incredible cast. Yes. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible to hear that they had such a hard time making it. But then they they can then be so proud of what they did. Exactly, because it seems so effortless. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you would think that it would have been, like not reading that it would have like it was done easy peasy, and to know yeah. it was difficult, it's like wow, that's not what I would think. Yeah, they like they you know when you're watching it, it's like masterful. You know, like masters at their craft, and then you know when they're making it, they're ripping their hair out. Yeah, worst <laughs> thing ever. As mentioned, the creature effects were crowdfunded on Indiegogo and raised $82,510, while the film's funding was done through traditional channels by the production company. Now, I did try and do some more research into this because I wanted to try and find out the actual budget of the movie because $82,000 was just what they crowdfunded for the effects. But I cannot find anywhere how much it costs to make the movie because I'd be really interested in finding out. So yeah. if anybody's listening to this and you know about The Void and you know what the actual budget of the film, let me know because I honestly, yeah. you know, I love all this stuff. I want to know that stuff. And I would love to know if they, you know, it, what the cost of the actual film itself was. Absolutely. Because I would love to know too. It's going to be low budget. I know that. But I'd love to see how much they achieved in this film with the budget that they had is so 
insane and incredible that I would love to like, you know, it's like terrifier too, isn't it? You know, exactly. yes. you, they got what, 250,000, 300,000 to make that movie and look what they did. And that's how I feel with this film as well. It's like whatever they money they, they made, to, they got to make it. They used every cent of it as yep. well as they could. Absolutely. The Void started shooting in Canada on November the 17th, 2015, and it premiered at the 2016 Fantastic Fest and later at the Toronto After Dark Film Festival. The film was given a limited theatrical release on May the 21st, 2017 in the United Kingdom and the United States. It earned approximately 55000 on its opening weekend and grossed 377000 worldwide. Wow. Which isn't I... a lot, but then at the same time, it's a small movie. It's a small budget movie. There's yeah. so many different things that can get in the way of that. But I mean, no, I don't know. It's fucking, it is what it fucking is, isn't it? It is. And I would, I'm bummed. I would have loved to have seen this on the big screen. This is a movie that I yeah. would love to have yeah. witnessed in a theater. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those films that, like, is, is just like for a horror fan, it's like, you would love to see this on the big screen, oh, uh, you know, with loads of big horror fans there and it would just be amazing. Yeah. Critically, the film served well, where a lot of critics were very impressed by the incredible effects in the movie coming from such a low budget and complimented the tone of the movie and the tension throughout as a high point, as well as feeling like the world is something that could have been created by some of the iconic horror directors of the 80s, but is still proud to be its own thing, and so it should be. Obviously, there were some neg negative reviews out there, but fuck them. Yeah, fuck it, because it was enjoyable, and I loved it. So fuck Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is some production info, a little bit more into how they made the film and, you know, all that sort of shit. <laughs> but now here's some facts. Now, normally I know how much you love facts, but look, sometimes they're not all that easy to find. So I could only find three. Deal with it. That's yeah. it. Simple as that. So this is what yep. you're getting. So number one, the hospital used in the film was actually a former high school. Sir oh. James Dunn College, I don't even know what that word is, and vocational... <laughs> school in ontario basically it was a school in ontario canada basically oh. that's what it is um the school had been closed for a while and was demolished not long after filming was completed the film was originally going to be shot in an actual abandoned hospital but the abandoned hospital that was scouted to be used proved to be unsafe to shoot in man so uh they probably lucked out there they did all right Yes, but that, I mean, the, the school did look very much like a hospital. So very well yeah. with the production team that spruced it up. So good job. Once again, they obviously did a better job on this than they did Suicide Squad. Correct. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> so number two, this film was initially going to be shot in the summer. This was eventually changed to the winter instead. Annoyingly, though, a blizzard happened right after the last day of shooting. <laughs> Perfect timing. Absolutely. And then number three, hardly anything in the film, as we as we know, if you've seen it, is CGI. All yeah. the, the monsters, gore, etc., are real effects created by the team behind the movie. Which is, again, I, I think that it's masterfully done. I think that it's one of the best representations of practical effects. And I, I love it. I just love the, the feeling of the thing, you know, mixed with everything that we've seen 
80s like and bringing it to a modern darker realm i love it so that's it i mean i suppose the fourth fact is this film was brilliant because that is a fact it is um but talking about that we've gone through everything beforehand like every time we do one of these shows we've gone through an absolutely top-notch google synopsis We've gone through the whole film in its entirety, and I hope everybody has enjoyed that. We've got a little bit of production info, a little bit of facts. So now it's over to you because we get to talk about how we really, truly feel about this film. And I always let my guests go first. So go on, you you give it a go. Thank you. That's very sweet of you. Um, So this movie, I just... It, for me, it was a breath of fresh air. I feel like I was looking at that point in time for like a movie that was dark engaging um scares you know what i mean like there's there's quite a few jump scares that you don't expect in this movie um but in all it's such a a, just a a looming dark film and you don't know what to expect and i love how you don't you you don't know what's what the next thing is going to be because it's just so out of left field but it works perfectly and um i just i think it's one of the, the the better horror movies in the newer generation of horror yeah i completely agree i liked i liked how you feel that it sort of i mean it's it's such an unpredictable movie this movie and i like that it could feel so crowded but yet it doesn't and it feels like every decision that was made every aspect of this movie was made for a reason and the reason was to aid the film itself to aid the story to aid the characters to deliver tension dread impact in all the right places where it could have been so confusing and it could have been so like i said crowded Mm -hmm. it's it's insane what they managed to uh to sort of pull off don't you feel too like it could have been lost in translation if it wasn't directed and and had the clear vision it did because it could have went off the rails. It could have been something where you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? Instead, my reaction was like, I want to watch that again. Yeah. Right now. You know what I mean? Like the other thing that I kind of enjoyed about this, and I don't know speaking like um, for me, I'm not like a huge elevated horror person. Like I'm not very into like, you know, the A24, the hereditary, that type of stuff. But this movie had the perfect blend of like the elements of a elevated, like with the yeah. with the personal matters, but then executing it with an amazing creature and this like storyline of something that is like losing someone and, and taking it to this extreme of, well, I'm going to have you kill someone and then you're going to be regenerated into like the void and this person and like you get that person back, but it's a complete fucking demonic tentacle yeah and and he's okay with his his kid coming back is that i liked that it, it had that elevated horror feel but it wasn't in your face and it wasn't like the way most of them are executed and i'm sorry for anyone listening i don't mean to offend because if if that is your wheelhouse and you love it i'm so happy for you but i just i can't i can't yeah i mean i think and and, and it's, this sort of goes with what you're you're saying as well where This is a type of film that you can definitely see that this is a type of film that has an acquired taste. This isn't the type of film that you would just go out and recommend willy-nilly to anyone. This is the type of film that if you are amongst friends or amongst people on social media and so on that you talk about, 
you know, you talk about horror and these are the people that genuinely enjoy the genre. This mm-hmm. is the type of film that you would recommend. Exactly. You know, ultimately going into how I feel about this film essentially works within those those realms where I found out about this film, which I sort of mentioned earlier on through uh, reviews in magazines. Mm-hmm. We used to have like Empire and magazines and um, oh, there was another one, Total Film, I think it was called. And I used to look in NC reviews and so on. And I think in both of them, this film got four stars, which is oh, good wow. out of five. So yeah. so that's really good. And um, I was just like, okay, well, that's interesting. Read what it was about. And then it would just literally come out in the shops uh, on Blu-ray. So I went and brought it immediately yeah. and brought it home. And just like you, I put it on and I was like, I cannot wait to see this again. Yeah. Because there is so much to this film that it is one of those films that you continuously think about afterwards and then you can't wait to watch it again to see. Like, it's not one of those films that feels like there's hidden things in it that you're going to notice next time. But yeah. what it feels like to me is that it's a type of film that you can't wait to see again to see if there's any more of a deeper meaning that you can take from this, whether that is from the character's perspectives or from the void itself and what it is or what it may be or what it can do. Um, And then on top of that, we get to go back into a film like this again and go and be in awe like we were when we were kids, when we were watching The Thing or The Fly or Cronenberg films or Carpenter films. We get to be in awe of every aspect of this film. And we've mentioned it before, but... Every not this film has layers, and I'm not just talking about in regards to uh, the film itself, where it goes from a story or an emotional or a character standpoint. The layers in this film, I mean, in regards to the process of making it, is what is insane. Yeah, you know, the film itself looks absolutely stunning. There are some ridiculously beautiful set pieces and shots in this movie. Yep. Some of my favorites, actually. Yeah, and they're the, the type of shots in this film that you would have had, like on as a wallpaper on a background on a computer, you know, yes. uh, and and that goes a long way with me because that's you know outside of all of this, like everybody knows by now, acting filmmaking is very important to me, and that is a huge element to a film that I'm watching as a decider as to whether this is a film that I truly enjoy, truly love and want to see again and want to see what happens next with the directors and the director and where they go or the actors. That's a huge part for me. And cinematography in this film is absolutely stunning. It's fantastic. But it's the way that they utilise that within this movie. Like I mentioned, one minute, it would be the real world. Next minute, you'll have this most disgusting, gross tentacle creature thing coming out of a dead woman's carcass and yes. it, and it fits, flips through them. And that's insane. The score itself, obviously the, you know, the soundtrack is really good. Fantastic works. Amazing with the movie. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that because the, the music in this movie really sets the tone for everything. And I, I, I think they re- I think they released it on, on waxwork. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I would love to to add it to my collection because it's brilliant. It's a fantastic soundtrack, and you're exactly right. It's one of those soundtracks that went with the film so well and doesn't take you out of it at any points. There has been, you know, some films. I mean, that was one of my issues with Terrified Two. 
uh, was how, and I think some of that may potentially be down to the inexperience of, you know, Damien Leone in a way, because he's still learning as a director, he's still learning. And the yep. step that he made in Terrified 2 is some one of the biggest, big step ups I've ever seen a director do mm. and what phenomenal job he did. But when you're watching that, there's still the odd bit in it where you're like, OK, like he's learning still. He's trying to understand his craft. And sometimes the placement or how he used the music in it wasn't great. Yes. Whereas in this, it was like the music was another element of this film, another part of its, you know, identity. Yeah, it uh, was of like its DNA. It was so perfectly, it was like married so well, and it was just for it to be an independent movie and to have all the pieces. And again, like this is coming from us, so someone could watch and be like, "That was the worst movie I've ever seen." <laughs> like nothing yeah. made sense. But for me, this movie was so cohesive and perfectly. It was just the, like the perfect combination of everything, like. I said before character development storyline creature like everything was perfect and yeah I, I love it and that's the thing and then you know there's it's just layers upon layers the characters the performances in it are fantastic you can't fault the performances in it whatsoever um like i've mentioned i, I genuinely do love the you know cop man Dan in it and the actor in this as I said you know we might have mentioned who he sort of reminds us off looks wise but performance wise you know it's a very off kilter off center sort of performance to what you would normally get in these sort of roles and I love that because he brought his own energy and his way of the character sometimes he's a scared little bitch but then sometimes <laughs> he's the sarcastic guy that's trying to fight back a bit. And you don't know what I love about it is that his character in it is almost and the way he is, is almost as unpredictable as the film itself, because in real life, you still don't know whether you would want him in your corner or not. And yes, that's what I love. Like, where does he fit? Is he going to be this person? Is he going to be this? And he steps it up. And then he's like, you know, after he kills the nurse and has that run in, he's like trembling, puking. So you're like, is he going to be able to handle this? And he steps up to the plate in a sense yeah and it's yeah so and and once again we're talking you know about a film that's not even all that long in runtime no and we get all of this in it cinematography incredible amazing music amazing performances and then amazing amazing practical effects that it's so amazing when we get to see these in films and we all we horror, horror fans can only hope that we get more and hopefully it happens more and you know the more these films that get to get to be made practically the more that the people enjoy them and say look this is how you should be making them the more hopefully we get that's what i mean but i would love to just be able to like have a presence and just be like you know make more of these movies because i think yeah. that and even you know thinking back on it as much as we talked about the the people in the white sheet with the the triangle even if they had that as like the antagonist throughout the movie yes it, yeah. if you left out the creature part of it it still would have delivered to me because it still had that element do you know what i'm saying like if you yeah if you it, one this out, is what's insane because you're exactly i think exactly the same thing is that this is how incredible this movie is that yes. it could have been one thing and still worked but it became something completely different and it's like we were saying within uh like you know going through the movie is you know, you think that this is how it's going to be. You think that essentially it's going to be an entrapment. You think it's going to be 
these are in a hospital they can't get out because and it's all about going to be a film that's very confined very claustrophobic almost like the thing-esque you know where there yeah. there's no escape there's something out there that they can't get away from what but yeah it's yeah and who do you trust mm-hmm. and then it all becomes about the horror within and then that also has another layer because then it becomes about the horror within emotionally as you as a person as well as what you're seeing on screen as as well as all these people that are out out the front waiting for you you know it's insane it is <laughs> absolutely insane how much is in this film and even when i'm sitting here talking to you about it and i've seen this film more time there, there's some films that i can't even remember how many times i've watched right. and this is one of those films yeah. because I try and like, I want to try and unravel it all, not necessarily, even from a filmmaker perspective, because I'm like, this is a shining example of how people truly are perfect at their craft, where you can have so much going on, but understand it so well and believe in it so much that you can make anything work. Absolutely. And that's, it's inspiring too, because think of it, it's like for people that have these ideas that maybe they don't want to share with people because they might think, you know, this isn't a good idea or this isn't, you know, like a well-rounded story. You see movies like this and you're like, okay. And it's kind of like an inspiration that if you have that idea and you want to mold this, you know, deep storyline and have it be this creature feature in another realm with this, like do it like and and you 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 never will know if it's if it will hit with this audience or it might hit with this and even having that impact making someone as excited about it as we are talking about it that would be awesome to do that yeah and and like i've said before it it wears its inspirations on its sleeves it it shows you it's it perfectly is homaging those films of the past it feels very John Carpenter. It feels very Clive Barker. It feels it's so funny because I almost feel like there's a switch where yeah. it go. It's like it's very John Carpenter. Then it's like very Cronenberg, but then yeah. it's very very Clive Barker, and it goes through the different things. And it's almost like I feel like you're in those old sort of side scroller games, like yeah. you know what I mean. And like you get to the end of one level, and then at the end of that level you've got something completely different. Yes. And that's what the, the void feels like to me, that you're just constantly moving along in this film where something happens, it changes the this part of the movie, and then something else happens, it changes this. But it does that not only tonally, but aesthetically as well. Absolutely. And when I first watched it, like we said in the beginning, very Carpenter-esque, even with yeah. the simplicity of just like the people standing there, then to you get like the thing, then the the body horror like Cronenberg. And then, so speaking of Cronenberg, having the gentleman uh, Art Hindle, who was in The Brood, yeah. you know, the, the, and, and The Brood is one of my all-time favorite Cronenberg movies and all-time horror movies because like those kids are fucking creepy. And like yeah. the end scene with her like, you know, draping her her skirt out and having like the things in there. I felt like I saw that with Allison on the table. You know what I mean? Like with the the yeah. her body moving, and I'm like, wow, like so cool to have him in there. But I mean, how ballsy to kill him? <laughs> like, yeah, and I absolutely him. and 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 he he's fantastic. When you get to the end of that movie, he's got one of those voices that is so intimidating, so demanding of you know of what of that thing that I. I, he's so good when it comes to the end of it that yeah. I love. I love that, and I love the echoing voice that they do in the extra sort of level of 
reverb or whatever they put on it and it gives it that more of that you know otherworldly feeling but as i said it's it's so well done it's so well crafted as i said it, you, the inspirations are there quite clearly yep. but they don't use them and say oh remember this oh, and yeah. you know what i mean Yes, That's like oh, it. like this is very reminiscent of this, and you should like this because yeah. I'm referencing this. It's so subtle, but like it's how you interpret things. And some people might not even know Cronenberg, or might not even know Hellraiser. Do you know what I mean? Like some people yeah. might be watching this and not even know any of the uh, the tie-ins of it. But you and I, like we watch it, and we're just like, oh, there's that nod. Oh, well, there's this inspiration, and you can see it clearly. And I think it's just such a great combination. I. I Again, I, I think it's one of the, the best creature features that we've had in quite a long time. In a long time, yeah. I mean, as everybody can tell, we, we you know, we've been gushing about this film for ages. We absolutely, truly, genuinely love this film. Is this a film for everyone? Like we've said, no, absolutely not. I, I, I don't think, you know, if somebody comes up to me and says, I enjoy horror films, give me some horror films to talk about. Yeah. Then I'll be like, well, what have you seen? And they'd be like, Oh, well, this, and I, you know, there's certain things you can recommend, but like I said, this is one of those films that if you are, you know, a true fan, you know, if you really love the genre and you yeah. love what it was and what it can be, and you love practical effects and you love deep layered uh, you know pieces that can deal with uh, the emotional side as well as the horror side and the tension and dread side as well um this is this is one of the best ones out there for for the modern day that i honestly believe that you can you can get it is a film that i constantly revisit because i mean i watched it twice for this one to go through <laughs> everything to write it down one to watch it just to enjoy it and then yeah. i could literally put it on now and i would still sit there and go and i would just be in awe that's what i love about it you know growing up i was in awe of these films where i was just like i love this film i love the feeling of it i love the anarchy and the punk rockness of it i love how it breaks the rules i love how it's unpredictable and yeah. the best horrors that there are are unpredictable horrors for me because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where it's going. And this film changes so much. You have no idea what's going to happen. And I love that because there's sometimes that I watch horror movies and I'm like, I'm nervous where it's going to go. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're just kind of thinking, where can this go? That's going to change it for the good. Or it's going to be yeah. in a positive, like I'm going to enjoy it more. And this one, I just felt myself wanting like the next scene, the next scene, I'm like, wow, like the, the first interaction that the cop has with the, the creature and you have like the, the strobe effect. Yeah. I was like sucked in. I'm like, this is, this is going to be good. Just yeah. by visual, you know what I mean? And then even fast forward to the, the, the later scenes of um, the son standing there and then the mom's in the back holding the baby, like so yeah. simple and so subtle, but I was just like, oh my God, like it hits you. And it's so viscerally like, engaging and just intense and i just it's such a good movie i i, I reckon my in-laws are here and i went downstairs and i'm like you know we're gonna watch the void tonight yeah <laughs> they're just like yeah. you okay. might not like it but we're gonna watch it yes yeah i i my uh father-in-law he doesn't really care for horror but we push like terrifier and terrifier 2 on <laughs> and he loved it like he thought oh there it, you go then yeah so i'm i'm, I'm hoping that the void will so stick. he he, he's probably more of a horror fan than he thinks. I said that to him. I'm like, he doesn't like the Scream franchise. And we just did like a rundown of the first one and two. And he was like, I like it. I'm like, 
Yes. Like, well, that's the good thing about this film as well, because the extra elements of it, the layers of it, it has that emotional punch, that emotional impact that it does that that doesn't even need, but it's there. And I'm so happy it is because, like I've already said a hundred times, it shows how well the directors and the crew and everyone knew what they were doing and how they made it and what they wanted to make. And uh, it just blows my mind. Every time I watch this film, I'm like, this film needs to be seen more. It does. And and you know, it's funny that you say that too, because even saying that, like with the, the added layers, you, and we said it with the whole, like it could be the man, the men in the cloak, or it could be the, the creature. You could have just had this been complete strangers. You don't know any of their backstory and just had all of this shit happen. Yeah. And I still think it would have been a good horror movie without yeah any of that added to it so when you have a movie and you can take things away and say this would have been good just with that i think that speaks for itself that it's a genuinely good movie yeah yeah absolutely i mean look everyone needs to go and see this if you haven't seen it you need to see it if you have seen it revisit it and uh we hope that everybody really truly enjoys this movie I hope that everybody who does enjoy it is on board with us in regards to trying to still give it a push, even though it's now, you know, 2016, it's now 2023, 2023, and we're talking about it. Uh, I hope that we can, you know, try and give it this push so they sort of, you know, can see it and know that there's still this support and this love for this movie because it did mostly go under the radar it's not a film that I very rarely see get spoken about unless it's within, you know, the horror community and, yeah. uh, you know, a very small group of that horror community. And uh, it is one of those films that I talk about, I mention a lot, and people don't really know about it or don't pick up on it. And it was only because, you know, we spoke about it and, um, you know, we, we, we have this mutual love for it and uh, we just want to share that with everyone. Absolutely. You know, when you get excited when you have something that you truly love like a puppy and you just want to show everyone how much yeah. you love it and how cute <laughs> it is it's like this is the puppy for me if the if the puppy was a finger uh, an eye fingering monster <laughs> like a human skull and like yeah the human like, skull and a, and a skinless old pervy old man yeah exactly that's like the the, the puppy that i'd be showing off <laughs> That's it. Well, thank you so much, obviously, for coming on the show. I, I appreciate it. Uh, yes. You know, we, we've talked, 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 well, we've spoken about this film in depth. I hope everybody's enjoyed it. But we talked about the film in depth. I want you to talk about your show, Pretty Killer Podcast. I want you to tell everybody all about it and where to find it. Oh, man. So, like, Pretty Killer Podcast is just like, a place where you feel like you're talking to friends. It's a, you know, what you would envision a Friday night would be having a drink, just talking, reminiscing about new horror, old horror. Um, and and I, I don't have a format. I'm very, I, I wing it. And it came from a place of love. I have loved horror since I was little. And I felt like during the pandemic, I wanted to connect with people. I wanted to talk to people. I was feeling like super isolated. And I thought, what way could I, you know, connect and have a way to, to, to talk about the things I love? Because my husband was literally like, Joanna, I, I don't give a shit about, <laughs> you know, this one angle in Halloween because I talk about yeah. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't literally, you, you and me are both the same because I tell you something. I mean, I put up a post the other day about Dean Cundy 
uh, you know, the obviously everybody will know, but if you don't know, Dean Cundy was the cinematographer on Halloween and uh, most of John Carpenter movies and so on. But yeah, I'm exactly the same. If there's an angle and something, I'm like, I store that up in my brain for later. Yes, it's like it's like uh, like burnt. The images are burned into my brain, and I just yeah. I'll randomly think about things, and I'm just like, meh, meh, meh. and he's just you know, and he loves horror, but I'm to the extreme of you know annoyance where he's just like, okay, like I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to connect with people, and I had no idea how to podcast. I had no idea what went into it, and I have such a love and appreciation for the people who do it because there's a lot that goes into it. And I'm just really happy that I got to connect with, you know, like you, you and I, like your instant connection um, and, and just the movies that we love and, and to talk about. So that's, that's my show. That's all I do is just focus on the, the stuff that I enjoy, the things I don't like. I always try to talk to people about it and see if I can get a different perspective. Um, and maybe I'm seeing things in a different light but I just want to be like a safe place for people to come and speak freely and talk about horror and not feel like they can't say something if they didn't like a movie that everyone loves. You know what I mean? Like I want it to be a place where full respect, full appreciation, full love, just come in and, and have fun and talk. And, so. en- and enjoy the absolute shit out of it. Yes. So that's it. That's pretty, pretty killer podcast. And you can find, um, you can find it on Spotify, Apple or I- iTunes. Everywhere. Or Yes, everywhere. Basically, any podcast platform that you listen to your podcast on, search for yes. the Pretty Killer Podcast, and you'll find it. And then also, you've also got Feature Creatures as well, haven't you? On on your YouTube as well. I do Feature Creatures DTF with Sam, um, and that's more like pop pop culture. But we found each other on my show with our love for Jaws, so we decided to team up and just talk about everything and anything in life that you can think about. Um, so I do have that show as well. And I do have a YouTube channel now to show my face. Cause I wanted to hide the whole time, but now, you know, you can, you can see this monstrosity and, and follow <laughs> along. So that's it. That's it. So that's it. So head over to any podcast platform, go and listen to the show, go onto YouTube and you can subscribe to the pretty killer podcast on there as well as feature creatures. Simple yeah. as that. And, uh, everybody mm-hmm. needs to bloody go and do it because, uh, I've had an absolutely splendid time talking to you about this absolutely incredible movie. I will, I could talk about this movie. I mean, I could literally do a 10-hour cut of this episode uh, that no one wants, obviously, and that's why I'm not doing it. But, but we could. Uh, but we could because <laughs> of how much we love this film, how much there is to this film, and how much, you, if you haven't seen it, you need to. And when you do, or if you have already, please let us know what you think about it. You can, you can, we're on all the socials, so let us know what you think about it because this this film needs to be seen. It needs to be loved, and if it is already, then good because you've got two people right here who absolutely fucking love it. Join the fan club because we will still talk about it with anyone who That's wants it. to talk. About it. Join the void. That's <laughs> what I say. That's yeah. it. So, so anyway, thank you so much, Jordan. Thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank and you for uh, me. this has been great a great friday night so i'm super stoked awesome and i will i will speak to you soon so we've nearly made it to the end of another episode and i truly honestly hope that you've all enjoyed this episode as you can tell i and jordana absolutely love the void 
And we truly hope that there's loads of you out there the same as us. We hope there's so many more of you out there that love this movie that deserves to be loved and deserve to be shined a light on even more as much as possible. Because if you are listening to this podcast and you haven't seen the movie, which I'm sure, you, I mean, you would have by now, you're not going to listen to this without seeing the movie, are you? I mean, if you are, then thank you. But if you still haven't seen The Void, you've got to. This film is absolutely fantastic. And as we mentioned, we believe it to be a modern horror masterpiece. So go and watch it. And if you have, go and watch it again and enjoy it. But share it on. Share on your love for this movie. Post about it. Tweet about it. Do whatever you want. And that way we can try and get more people aware of this movie that needs to be seen because it's that damn good. But that's enough talking about The Void. We've spoken for ages about it. As you can tell, we bloody love it. But now we're going to move into the segment of the show that I absolutely love your first time. So very briefly, for those that don't know, the segment Your First Time is where you amazing listeners or you amazing horror fans in general send over to me in as much detail as possible your first ever horror movie memory you can remember. I absolutely love this segment because I'm so lucky because I get to read all these amazing memories that you send over to me. Every episode, I only do a couple, two or three. So the first one that I've got here is from Joseph B. Wilk, which unfortunately is 100% going to be mispronounced, so I apologise to him for that. But he sent me this on Instagram, and he is the co-host of the Spooky School podcast. So you can follow both him and that podcast now on Instagram. And the horror movie memory he sent to me was, one day my mum was channel surfing in the living room when she landed on a chase scene in one of the child's play movies. He forgets which one. I remember being terrified just from the sight of it and asked her what's happening. My mum told me that all scary movies are just people getting killed for no reason. I was maybe four at the time and took her literally. I legit thought the people in my TV were real and about to get killed. She changed the channel, but I screamed at her to go back and save the people from the scary movie. It was then I learned about horror and that movies are fake. Turns out there's no people who live in my TV and none of them actually die. So a massive thank you for him sending over his first time horror movie memory and make sure you go and follow everything that he does. And then the second one that I've got was sent over to me on Twitter from, now you're, if you listen to the last episode you'll know what I'm talking about, but it was sent over to me by Streaming Wasteland, who is a podcast where you can go and obviously listen to them on any podcast platform. And they are on Twitter, so you can go and follow them on there. But this time, it was the other host of the show, Ringo, who sent me over his memory. So he put, my first horror memory is of the movie Volcano. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is me saying this, by the way, not him. I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, that's not a horror film. But to a kid... There's some pretty gnarly scenes in it. So this is why I'm adding this one in. But specifically, when the subway gets stuck... This is back to his his memory. <laughs> so specifically, when the subway gets stuck and there is a little bit of lava starting to pull up near the back of the train, there are some workers trying to save everyone. And as they get the last person off the train, one of the workers is stuck there looking at this pool of lava that is in between him and freedom. 
He jumps and doesn't jump far enough. The dude lands in the lava and slowly melts. Like the Terminator, but not as cool. I spent years looking at every volcano in my home state, wondering when it was going to blow up and melt me. He also added that he was about five or six when he saw this at a friend's house. So a massive thank you to Ringo from the Streaming Wasteland podcast for sending that one in. If you want one of your first time horror movie memories in an episode, it's super simple. Just send me a DM on any of the socials that we're on detailing your first horror movie memory. Simple as that, and I'll add it into the episode. I love reading them. I love sharing them on with you. I know my listeners love it. And also, at the same time, it's essentially free promo for any of your content or your podcast, or even if it's just your socials. Don't cost you anything, and you get to have a little spot on the podcast episode. But with that, we have made it. We're right at the end of the episode. So thank you so much. If you stuck with me till the end, thank you. You know I absolutely love doing this. I love the fact that people are still continuing to join me on this journey. I love the fact that people have recently joined me on this journey and have let me know and have communicated with me. I love it. You know I love this genre. I absolutely love horror. It has been a big, big part of my life. And this podcast, this channel has now become a big, big part of my life. And I'm very, very thankful for everything that I keep doing and I'm allowed to do because of you. I say this all the time. I can sit here and I can make it. I can record. You are the reason that I get to keep going because you are the ones listening. You are the ones sharing it on. Simple as that. So as usual, to end it off, if it's your first time, you don't really know much about the Let's Talk Horror channel, all you've got to do is head over to any of the socials and follow us on there. You've got the podcast that you're listening to. Thank you. You've got the YouTube channel as well. Go over there and subscribe. And if you're still with me on this journey and this is, you know, you've been listening from day one, keep doing it. There is so much more to come from this channel. As I mentioned, the YouTube channel is going mad at the moment. I recently had my first ever interview with a full-on proper director, the creator, the man behind the movie Final Summer. If you haven't seen that, head over to YouTube and go and watch that. I was really, really excited to speak to him and I'm really proud of the interview. The podcast, it keeps going. We keep talking about new topics every month and I absolutely love it. I'm doing more and more guest spots on other shows as well, which is insane. So it's so much fun doing what I do. And thank you all to all of you for allowing me to keep going on this journey through horror. And uh, please just stick with me. And as well as that, I'll be stupid if I didn't mention, if you want to show your support, if you truly love what I do, there's a Patreon there. All you've got to do is go to patreon.com and then look for the Let's Talk Horror channel. It's there. There is perks, there's exclusives. You do get those for a small amount a month. Do you have to do it? Absolutely not. Is this podcast, am I ever going to have to charge people for this podcast? No, but it's there if you just want to show your support towards me and what I do. If you don't, oh well, it happens. <laughs> you know, we, I keep going. So once again, thank you all so much. You all are the coolest, the raddest, the baddest. And um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Just join us and be a creep. Mm-hmm.